Welcome back to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast with your host, John Fedro. Tune in weekly, plus listen to past episodes designed to make you money, save you time, and give you confidence as an active mobile home investor. Now, here's your host, John Fedro. Welcome, everyone, back to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast, episode 25. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lewis. For being here, we are rocking the shades for no reason except for this is what we're doing uh, on this video today because we want to and to be different than any other podcast. And speaking of different than any other podcast, um, I'm really glad to have you here because hustler, go-getter, not victim, like when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Uh, You're an interesting character all around, just, you know, how awesomely down to earth and cool you are um, go on <laughs> yeah let's just talk about a couple deals i mean you you have now a number of deals under your belt it obviously wasn't always <laughs> like that i love your office uh by the way as well now you do other types of real estate or what is this office that we're looking at i don't know i dabble you know okay. a little here a little this, a little of that um <laughs> in in the office it's actually it's a shared office so everyone, um, everyone kind of works for themselves, has their own thing going on. Okay, awesome. Um, so we have wholesalers in here slash realtors. We have uh, hard money lenders. We have a venture capital guy. We got a cabinet guy over there. But <laughs> you know, it's just more for the environment and just uh, other people match with matching energy. You know. Did you invest money in any r- real estate before you were mobile homes? Yeah, I mean, but only a couple. It was. It was nice. It was, I did it and made some money and I guess, and, but I found when I found the, the mobile thing, it was a lot more comfortable. It just clicked. It works. I don't mind it. Cool. The, and, let's, and here I am. Let, so let's talk about that. Um, uh, kind of overall, has this business been compared to the other types of real estate? And maybe you don't have enough you know, knowledge to, to give me an answer, but has this business been more stressful, less stressful, uh, yeah, just kind of like on the stress, like taking on a brand new business. Well, I don't really, I don't really get uh, too stressed out in general. And they both have their own. I mean, single family home and mobile home, like they have their own unique stresses. I guess with a mobile home, you got the stress that you have to deal with people and that we'll say aren't the most sophisticated buyer investors. You know. And uh, sometimes you got to run back and forth. It's hard to find a good handyman or something because uh, mobile homes are beneath whoever. I mean, that creates stress. I don't get stressed out. It creates stress for lack of a better term. But then then again, I don't have the stress of I, I took I'm paying 15 percent on this money. I borrowed what, like a hundred and something thousand dollars. If this house doesn't sell. I'm gonna to have to file bankruptcy. I mean, it's a different, it's a stress I don't have to experience, but at the same time, they don't have, they have sophisticated buyers telling they have agents, everyone has an interest and, you know, so I guess they have their own pros and cons of each, but right now, today, the mobile homes are clicking for me, so Pardon? I stick with it. I, I, not everyone has the, the propensity to do mobile homes as a business or go out there and get it because like I said it's a thing that's beneath them for whatever reason that's fine <laughs> but but not me and that's where my opportunity comes from heck yeah do you have um, so then when you first got into it like you first started investing kind of first 
went out and started talking to people how long did it take ballpark you know to get that first deal to actually close on it that close on that very first home yes so the first deal was the most painful like sort of like when you're in surgery and you haven't used you know a, a certain bone or, or a joint in a while and it uh the first time you use it you're really weak or the scar tissue is breaking away but once you kind of get going you know once the, the train starts moving so to speak you get a little more and more flexible it's the same thing uh when i started my first deal i paid way too much for it which is typical um and it took i remember do you remember that i don't know if you remember it took me like eight months or something like that from beginning to end finally sell this thing now in the end, after well, stand by. Sure. Uh, in the end, it all paid for itself. Um, you know, and it ended up being a win in the end, but not nearly at the time or the profitability that it should have been. That perhaps I would have done today, but that's okay because I got the first one out of the way and I learned a bunch of things and the mistakes I made there, I never did them again. And so now, you know, compared to then. Um, comparing then to now, uh, I feel a lot more confident. It's a lot smoother. But yeah, it took, it took, uh, it took forever. I didn't I, to to buy it, and then, and then I had to pay a couple months until I could find the handy. I mean, I was just. Let Let's talk about the Let's talk about a um, a good deal that you had, a good experience overall, and then let's okay. go back to that first deal, like with the learning okay. lessons. I think perfect. that'd be awesome. Perfect. Cool. Yes. Yeah, perfect. So yeah. I'll compare the two. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll start with a good one. So you know what a respectable deal, you know, I wouldn't say this is a grand slam. I mean, you can do better. I could do better, but I'll tell you, uh, my most recent deal, please. Now, side note, I'm not just calling my most recent deal, the better one. I track my numbers like any good business person should be. You can ask me any question about my business. and I can tell you up, down, left and right and forward and backwards. I can tell you ratios. You have to be on point like that. And I and I am. Only I mean, I have my spreadsheet and everything. And I every deal, I have a spreadsheet where I have each deal that I've done. So far it's uh, six or something like that on something. And I noticed the trend and I created charts with it and everything. I noticed the trend every deal. I got more and more proficient. I closed them sooner. I'm they were more profitable. I had less out of pocket, you know, little by little by little by little. So I'm not just saying my most recent deal is better. I literally on paper is the best one I did. And it looks like this. Uh, I bought this home from the park manager. Park manager calls me and says, look, this guy, can I, can I say bad words on this thing? Or yeah. Yeah. I think you can do that. They park manager to, to long story short, park manager says this guy's fucked. Okay. He's, he's, he owes however much money he's got to leave. I mean, I don't know the situation. I don't really. Remember, I don't care. My point is, I'm running a business. There's an opportunity. I run the numbers, make the, put the offer in, um, negotiate it down. Now, he was asking $10,000, but he said to me that he's going to do me, you know, he'll work with me, and do me a favor, perhaps work with me, maybe 8000 or so. Um, and I offered him 1500 and And long story short, we ended, I ended up buying the house from, for $2,450. Yes. Okay. Wow. okay. Fair enough. All right. It's a two-bedroom, one-bathroom. Uh, so I wish, you know, like I said, it's not the perfect deal. I wish it was a three bedroom, but it wasn't a family park. It was in very good condition. <laughs> and there was work to be done, 
There was a lot of work to be done, but this thing had drywall and it had, I mean, one of the bedrooms had crown molding on it. I mean, the, whoever lived there before thought that they were, you know, making a real estate investment and they weren't. They were throwing their money away. And that's why he was asking 10,000. And, you know, like if you go through the formula uh, for whoever's listening, John talks about that the, the buyers and their, the urgency and what you're looking for is that nine out of 10 opportunities you're gonna say no to and one out of 10 is that one person who's like comes to their senses and they're like, okay, I've gotten 10 offers from people and not a single one of them has come through. And the only guy that I know that is not wait here to waste my time and full of shit is me. And <laughs> I mean, perfect. He called me back, we made the deal, we closed. Um, but it, the house was in great, it had great opportunity, tremendous opportunity. And that's, what I, that's where my interest came from. That's why I paid him the amount that I did because I knew that I, I knew what would happen in the end. Uh, you know, with a nice, beautiful house with beveled, rounded edges. I mean, it's ridiculous for a mobile home, but hey, it was there. So, bought it, found a handyman. You closed, uh, what, at the park? Just at I, the home, oh, yes, in the yes, office? Yes. You know, I, uh, I gotta turn this phone That's off. money calling you, huh? I bet those are all uh, sellers. Trust me, it's not. <laughs> that one might be. <laughs> Alright, you there? Um, we're here. Shit. Hold on. You got picked up by the... All right. Where was I? So I bought the house. Okay. 2450. They registered it, did the taxes, put it in the name of the trust, put everything, hired a handyman. I'll tell you more about him later, perhaps. But <laughs> at the handyman, he came in there, told him what to do. He did the work. Boom, boom, and boom. Total cost. I bought this thing on November 1, 1 November, okay, uh, is when the whole process started. I'm fast forwarding through the process, but he fixed it all up. Mm -hmm. Total cost to bring to market was just a hair over $5,000, right? $5,100, we'll say. 5,000 bucks would have cost me to take this house, bring it to the market and see who wants to buy it. But as we know, not very many people looking at mobile homes have the $15,000 cash to buy this home, but they do have 800 a month. So. Uh, that's what we sell it for. We put the ads and we don't really look for or expect or seek the cash. We look for the cash flow. Um, I do the math. I run my numbers. And long story short, this is what I ended up selling this house for. I got $17.50 move-in fee. All right, that leaves uh, $32.50 left over. And I'm going to get $400 as far as out-of-pocket expense on day one. And I'm going to get $400 per month for 60 months on this beautiful house. So you made your money back in a year, less yep. than a year. Yep, put it all done, wrapped it up, put a bow on it, delivered, kissed the baby. Right on. All this happens before the end of November. <laughs> this all happened in 30 days. This all happened 30 days. Was this a, this, now, okay, so the manager called you, so this wasn't a, was this a new park that you've never invested in, or it's a park you've already been investing in? I, uh, uh no, I have not invested in this park. Long story short, That's however, I, I had already met her. I was familiar okay. with her. I knew someone else that knew her, so I didn't go in as blindly as a random park. But no, I didn't officially. You know, I had to open the new account and, get, and do the deposit and all that stuff. But right on. She, she knows. She knew the deal. The, the park manager knew the deal very well. She's she knew. But what she liked, of course, is that I didn't w waste her time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, One, I called her and went and think 
closed and when sorry but when the thing closed i gave her 100 bucks she liked that too did she ask for so, that or did you just say hey this is absolutely absolutely not absolutely cool. not Good. i told her i what she did say is i told her hey you know i've had the neighborhood flyer say hey look you know if anyone comes in and you want to put this on the bulletin board there um you know the referral fee if a neighbor refers somebody they get a hundred bucks she goes does that apply to me too and i'm like yeah you know of course uh, we'll see so she, she didn't end up making the referral the person called me i think from a craigslist ad but i did take care of in the another way because she did make that referral there would be no deal without her so Damn all right. that happened in 30 days that's my most recent best performance so far now you you are a likable, uh, gregarious, uh, not afraid to say hi to somebody first type of person. Would, uh, sure, people can't tell that from the video. Uh, so it, the mark the park managers meeting most of the park managers. Come on, John. I gotta Get edit serious. all of this out focus. now. So no, meeting focus. a lot. Of, so meeting the park managers. Have they been? Uh, have, have they been receptive to you? Obviously, the first time you met this one, they kind of led you to this to this opportunity. Are you finding mm -hmm. park managers? There's not a lot of competition, and then they they're they're kind of ready for you. Like, oh, I've been waiting for someone like you. Or are they more kind of indifferent? Like, well, I'm not sure exactly who you are. Let's be a little cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Or do they hate you? I mean, like, what have you been finding? Well, uh, there is no competition. I mean, I hear it every day how. You know, I don't know if the words like beneath, but it's just like how non-interested people are in the mobile home investing at all. So I hear, I mean, everyone says, oh man, mobile homes, there's a lot of money to be made in mobile homes, man, you know, real estate, real estate. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like you're maybe here, you know, you go to some club or something or some bar or whatever, some scene, and you see the outside of the place and there's a line and you know, and bouncers and, you know, the hot waitresses and everything. And you're just like, well, this place is popping loud music. And when you go in and you walk in the door, there's nobody inside. So there's a lot of people talking about investing in mobile home. There's a lot of money, man, a lot of money. But when you go and you step foot in here, there's, there's no one in here. There's like, there's no one doing mobile home. So what that I mean, as a testament to that, John, come on, John, get serious, John. I'm just kidding. As a testament to this, though, I'm not just saying it. I mean, this is I'm saying this because of my experience, which is when I walk in and I met meet park manager, for example, this one, she knew the deal, as in she loves it. And that's why I got that call for that lead. And I just bought one. Today I made the official phone call. And as soon as we conclude this Skype um, session here, I'm on my way to meet with the contractor at Habitat for Humanity so we can buy some materials for cheap. Yeah, I, I know you, you gotta love that, yeah. <laughs> but I, she referred this one too. I bought this house for $1,100, and you know, I'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about that later. But uh, are they receptive? Absolutely. Park managers are absolutely receptive. All of them have, you know, in another park, they've been, um, they they love it. They make the referrals all the time. I might not buy all of the deals, but I'm definitely knowing when. It, Whenever there's something available, I'm one of the first calls that are being made. So, normally you kind of grow uh, for the folks listening. You grow a little quicker in the parks that you're already in. You know, you kind of plant your flag, and then you can prove to the manager, "I, I do what I say I'm going to do." People in the park start to know you. They start to know what your car looks like. They start to see your face, and so you just typically grow a little quicker 
in the parks you're already in versus a brand new park. So, you know, Lewis, actually, how many parks with, with the deals that you've done now, um, how many parks are you involved in? Different parks. Three. Okay, cool. And three, that's yep, three different parks. Yep. Okay. So that's like six or seven deals. Maybe set like, correct. I one. got two, two, two and two. Cool. No, three, two and one, three, two and one. Yeah. So six deals. All right. That's the one. Yep. Oh yeah. How many hours are you investing, uh, you know, actively per day? Or is it even I, that long? I, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, it's a tough question for me to answer because I'm always, I have my goals and my priorities written down mm -hmm. and I, because of that, simply for having it written down in front of me in black and white, I tend not to deviate and do other bullshit that's a waste of time that's not helping me get towards those goals. I'm, okay. I'm not trying to say that as like a life coach guru thing. I'm just saying as a matter of fact, because I know that I have to do this, this and that, and it's written down, when I wake up in the morning or when I plan my day, mm -hmm. it's revolving around achieving or accomplishing certain, you know, tasks in an effort or going towards my goals. Heck yeah. So when you say how many hours a day, I'm not going to tell you like, oh man, I'm a hustler. I work 25 hours a day. I got six jobs because I wouldn't be wrong, but you know, you know, relax a little bit. There's a work-life balance. I am on the phone all the time. I met, I met with my contractor yesterday at 9 PM. We were there till like 10 something, the whole drive. I mean, how many hours a day all the time all yeah. day my mind's on it but uh it's a luxury it's a unique luxury that i have that i'm grateful for for it was a long time coming but it's a unique luxury that i have to be able to do what i do build Shit, a business yeah. build a mobile home business from the ground up which is what i'm doing now i don't have a handful of deals but i can do it and i'm optimistic about the future we'll see what happens yeah of the uh of the deals that you have coming in with the cash flow, the, the, the homes that you have, um, that's allowing you to be able to invest full time. How much cash flow are those homes ballpark, you know, putting off? Uh, you mean my current deals right now every month? How yeah. much mailbox money do I have? Yeah, mailbox money like that. And uh, is it coming of... to your mailbox? I don't think it is coming to your mailbox, right? Is that term? No. That's no. What just, do you use like... to collect payments? I use Cozy. Ah, okay, that's Cozy is the best. Cozy is the best. Free plug. And by the way, by the way, yeah, free plug to Cozy, absolutely. And by <sighs> the way, by the way, a long time ago, I found it and I suggested it in the group, and it caught fire. I want to claim credit. <laughs> I discovered Cozy because it is the greatest well, thing. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Cozy. It's 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 simple. They it's a way for you to automatically deduct money from your tenants accounts and put it straight into your account okay for obvious reasons this is a great thing however <laughs> the the business finance the business slash statistical financial advantage is one that you probably wouldn't think of immediately but it's why i love cozy not only is it cozy i mean it's nice but if you go into my past i used to sell i used to sell life insurance okay and i used to go to people's houses and I had a speech and a spiel and I had a presentation and I had sales numbers and figures. Okay, I don't, don't get me started, all right? I'm just saying I used to be in super sales. Hard, street grinding, eat what you kill sales. And we got compensated based on the number of policies we sold that didn't cancel. So it would behoove us 
to not have people default on their payments. Sort of like the mobile home business, okay? But back then what I learned was the following. When you sign someone up with a credit card, no, no. When you do the, the mail where they have to mail in their payment, they have the highest likelihood of default. The next one behind that is a credit card. The next one behind that is directly out of a checking account. Okay, and then the next one would be a business account, but none of these, no one has business accounts. This isn't doing. So what we found is that when you had a payment attached to someone's checking account, the default rate was way better than the one where they were going to write in every month, sit down and do their bills and of write course. a check every month. Those people were like 80% of them were going to default. 80%, that's a real number. They wanted the product. They were no different than anyone else I sold to. Okay, I, and I sold hundreds of policies. So trust me, I did this presentation a hundred times and they were the same people. But when they paid with their cash and they sat down to do the bill or credit card, they did indeed. 80% of them would eventually default. And guess who had to pay it back? I had to pay it back. It came out of my commission check and it hurt me. So therefore, I found the better way. The better way is if you're not doing going to deduct this straight out of your checking account. I'm not going to sell you a policy. It ain't worth my time. I'm sorry. So what happened? We attached in the uh, insurance business. I, I mean, I made that the standard process procedure. No more cash, no more credit card. It's either check or you don't get to buy the product from me. And I don't care what my commission would have been. I'm not accepting it. Default rates went to under 5%. Perfect. We apply that to the mobile home business. And the way the tool that I use to achieve that is Cozy. Cozy keeps my tenants' default rates under five percent. I love it. I wholeheartedly endorse it. That's a that's a testimonial for Cozy. That, like yeah, I hope this uh, came out with enough better, good enough quality. Maybe they will use it on their website. <laughs> are you doing? Have you paid owner financing for any of these homes, or are you buying them all for cash? No, I I haven't done it, John, and not for any. Not for any reason other than if I can be frank with you, it's my own. I gotta turn this phone on, off. Shit! I got this, this one I have to take. Hello? Uh-huh. Ay, okay, anda a buscar, yo estoy detrás de ti. Empezá a buscar ahí los materiales que necesitas. Yo me encuentro contigo. Pero estoy un poco después de las tres, voy a llegar. Ok. Ok. Ok, bye. All right, it's contractor. Saying he's at Habitat for Humanity. He's gonna, I told him, just go start gathering the supplies you need and I'll be there soon. It's about 15 minutes up the road, so. That's awesome. Ok, I don't want to take you too much longer. The... No, 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 no. no. He's fine. So what was I saying? What were you saying? So I'd like to talk about some lessons now that we uh, we we, ta we talked about your mo your most recent deal. Um, I'm curious something that we didn't talk about when you're selling these homes, kind of out of nowhere. But insurance? Are you getting? Ins are you having your tenant buyers uh, pay for insurance? What is your thought there? Let me. You. I just remember what we were talking about. Let me answer that question first, John. The, the answer was, do I buy them on payments? Yes. The answer is no. That's only a personal preference. It's my twist on the mobile home formula. There's nothing wrong with. But I. No. It's not that there's nothing wrong. If you sit down and put the pen to paper and you do the the, the geometry or whatever, mm -hmm. you will find you will discover that 
buying the home on payments is a higher financial return. It is the better way to go. However, I, I didn't sit down and do the algebra or whatever. I just know that in my heart, I'd rather own the thing outright and not deal with the payments. And if I lose a few hundred dollars on a deal, I, I'll live with it. Okay, I'll, I'll take that's a loss. I'll take. But the right smart thing to do, the financially, the more fiscally advantageous uh, tactic to use is the buying the all my payments. But no, I have bought all mine cash. That's you know, I'll, I'll that's fine with me. Cool. Um, oh, cool. But um, you were asking about insurance. Do I insure the deals? So do when I sell the home, do I say pay an extra ten dollars a month and you'll have home insurance, or do I buy insurance? Well, there's a couple different things you can do. When the home's vacant, right when you buy it, you know, do do you have insurance? Um, when you have a tenant buyer in the home, do you do you mandate that they have insurance? And then if they do, do you pay for it and they pay you back? Do they pay for it and then they show you the binder? Or do you say you say no insurance, or you say maybe pay me an extra twenty, fifty bucks a month? to self-insure the, I mean, yeah, there's a number of things you can do. There's no right or wrong. Yep. Yep. But no, I don't, I don't have the insurance. I take the risk. Okay. I just stomach the risk. Okay. I mean, For my worst case, my worst case scenarios is a total loss. And it, remember the way that I'm structuring these deals, basically what I would be buying insurance against is I would be saying, I want to buy insurance because I believe that there is a significant enough likelihood that in the first six months, I will suffer from a total loss because after six months, I'm in for zero dollars. Why would I pay insurance for something I own outright? That's my view. That's a risk I'm willing to take. Right. And, and so far, I've had zero issues, not even close. So no, okay. I don't insure them. Now, to answer your other question, I don't insure them, and I have not sold insurance to a tenant buyer either, only because of my youth in the um, or my infancy or youth or whatever in this process as a whole. However, I think the first time I ever heard of that was from you. And you said other oh, in like a $5 a month for a pet or something. Something I mean, whatever, you know, came up with an insurance, self-insurance. John. John. <laughs> Come on, John. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't take you seriously when I have to look you in the eye. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. But, well, you're the one. You know what? I can only tease you because I instantly follow it up with, like, praising your brilliance. Okay, so. <laughs> You're the first guy that I ever heard that did that little add-on thing, and I think it's brilliant. The, li the little uh, step-up add-on, uh, what do they call oh. it? Um, um, impulse buy, impulse buy. Well, but, uh, there's a lot of little profit centers, the folks listening. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. add on for you know installing like ceiling failings th throughout the house. You can add on money yeah. there per month. Yep. Pets, you can add money there per month. Insurance, you can add money there per month. Appliances. There's a lot of these little different profit centers um, when you're selling the home. And perfect. So for the folks listening, insurance is a very good thing. Now, me, my comfort level because of the number of homes, you know, is, is, is one thing. But for folks that I, you know, that the other folks that I work with, Lewis, not not you, you know, we're comfortable maybe having no insurance or only insurance on a couple homes in parks, homes on land. I always have insurance on, but homes in parks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it it varies and really it's our tenant buyer who should be paying that so it shouldn't really ever come from you but mm -hmm. just the folks listening insurance is a very good thing you know there's been claims hail damage fire uh, happened recently and if it wasn't for insurance we would have lost the money that the tenant buyer was supposed to be paying us so you know Absolutely. yes it costs money and yes there's pros and cons but anyway don't yeah. do necessarily no one... what we say but you know insurance is yeah, a good I... thing now I will tell you that one thing that I do 
my style is I have found I had tried and this was my first deal I tried to sell a handyman special fix it up there's still some work to do home mm -hmm. and what I have found is that I you get a lot less for the move-in fee and it's a lot harder to find someone that wants to deal with that uh, besides that from my own personal experience when I want to buy a home for myself you know I want it to be pretty you know I want it to look nice I want it to have straight lines and I do know that feeling when you're looking for a home to live in I do know what the buyer looks like and it I have found that it's harder to sell and it's just not something I want to participate in however mm -hmm. there's a lot of money to be made in these handyman special mobile there really is I mean, but I tend to stay away from them what I do is awesome. I jack up the price jack up the price and what I mean is I mean an extra twenty dollars a month I mean but I, I slightly increase the price to make it uh, financially um, wise or financially worth it to do this deal. But what I give, the value that I provide in exchange for this little extra $50 that you're going to pay this month or whatever it is, is that not only have I, can I attest that the house is in working order and yeah, maybe there's some scratches on the wall, deal with it. But in the first week, if you do move in and you find anything that, you know, a switch that's off, I got it. I'll cover it. After that, you're buying the home as is. I have found that that feedback is tremendous. They love that. So not only are they moving into a house that's already presentable, okay, and it's decent and pretty, you know, perhaps there's things to do, but they also especially the women they have the comfort when they say they know that if something does go bad or they need to do anything maybe need a hand hanging whatever i mean whatever it may be in the first week we we fix the home we don't upgrade we're not going to put your crown molding up for you or anything but um we'll, we'll make sure that you don't have to uh, cross your fingers hopefully as is so the ac might be out we'll we'll cover that okay and that that has worked for me it's been cheap it is much easier to sell. You get a bigger move-in fee. You know, you get a lot more attention. And right on. Yeah. What's your average yeah. move-in fee for a two-bedroom and then for a three-bedroom? Okay, now, my average move-in fee is 2000 Okay, my first move-in fee was, uh, uh, or excuse me, one house that I did, the move-in fee was, my first one was 1000 My most recent one was 1700 But I was, I was, I put the ad up for 3000 to move in long story short and i think i know we're going to get in this long story short i hooked that lady up man and i was happy to do it and i lowered the move-in fee and she was very happy and very grateful for it and now she has her forever home you know but uh i was getting three calls a day for three thousand moving fee and i know that doesn't sound like a capitalist forgive me but i have a heart too and, <laughs> and i know it, it was still don't get me wrong i was still making money on the back end instead of getting charging 325 a month i'm charging 400 so it's not like i lose but i structured this deal for this lady in the way that she loves but my average is two, is going to be 2000 the last home was 2000 and the one before that was 2000 so right on talking about people we're changing i mean we obviously buy homes from people and they move on with their lives we're we're getting them out of whatever problems that they're in but then when we sell these homes and there's you know, the people obviously have to qualify. They have to have the ability to repay. But we're freaking changing mm -hmm. people's lives. I mean, we're putting people, families into homes. They're going to have memories of growing up. They're going to now own something that they can resell in the future, that they can, well, can't homestead it in a park. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. that's like, that's just amazing. I mean, we're obviously kind of young and like to be affecting people in this way. Um, 
is super. <laughs> I can tell you're on your phone. Uh, uh, not anymore. No, uh, no. <laughs> but that's amazing. I mean, have you have you had that yet? Where people are just grateful, or they send you Christmas cards yeah, or gifts, and, and, or yeah, you know, they all have been. They all have it. It's just, even the sellers too. The sellers are like, woo! Finally, someone that isn't full of shit that actually <laughs> came through with the money. I can't believe it. I mean, I know how they feel. I know how they feel. I know, and I know what my value is. I don't mean that arrogantly. I just mean like. Man, these people, I know that they are grateful. And when the sellers sell the house, they're grateful to get rid of it because not a lot of people come follow through with it. But the buyers are always grateful. I have, I, my most recent one is probably my favorite. I've done another one, the one before, but my most recent one, again, we'll use this one. This, this lady, I was asking 3000 and she wanted it and she wanted to negotiate and she was like, ah. Oh. Man, oh man, but she was so afraid to ask. I told her, just hey, look, man, listen, there's no question that I want to sell you a home. Okay, I want to, this is how we do business. I want to sell you a home, but I don't want to, I don't want to milk your bank account for everything's worth so that you can't make next month's payment. Right. You got to tell me what's comfortable for you. And if it, if we can find common ground, then we'll do it. Trust me, I won't make a bad deal, but. What would work for you? For, is it the move-in payment or is it the monthly fee? Which one of those two bothers you the most? She said, the move-in payment. I said, what would you like to move? She, she said, 1500 is what she said. And I told her, well, I, we can't do that. We want 2000 but I'll tell you what. And I called my partner. My, my this not, guy? My, yeah, I guess. I called you. I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? Oh, uh, what's up? Nothing. I just felt like calling you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I called my partner. I, I called my my fake partner. I already knew the, the did the numbers in my head, but I came back to her. I said, "Here's what we came back with. If you can do seventeen fifty, we'll be okay with that. And then instead of three twenty five a month, we'll do four hundred a month. What do you think like that?" It took her ten seconds to start crying. She had tears in her eyes because she knew that that was I hit the mark, and I knew I hit the mark in my sales experience in my sales career. That's what you want to see when you make an emotional contact. Shut the hell up you're done you're done the sale is made after i shook her hand gave her a hug and from there it was the day it was the ride home now this was my favorite part this was the the, the climax of this this was like cut scene here i'm asking her for info all right uh barb thank you all right awesome i just i just need this i'll put the paperwork together i just need name address, phone number social security driver license etc etc et i'll fill, fill in the terms i'll do the paperwork she gives me it all. We get down to the email address, and I said, all right, what's your email? And she said, all right, Lewis, I've had this email for 20 years. You ready? Yeah, I said, yeah, go ahead. She goes, F-L-D-R-E-A-M, I mean, you know, something, something, something. I won't say the rest of it, at whatever, whatever.com. She goes, Florida Dreaming has been my e email for 20 years. She came from the north. And she has not been able to find a home for 20 years. She's probably been able to afford it, but she has not been able to move down to Florida until somebody gave her a break and lowered that moving fee to right in her window that she can afford. And she has written me, look, my hairs are standing up. She has written me the nicest, most genuine, sincere text of gratitude, okay? And I found a home for her and her cats and Jesus sent me to her and all this stuff. And I'm just so grateful for it. And I think, you know, hey, the reason why I got out of bed today was to make money, okay? But the reward was that. 
That's the payoff, man, because this is these are human beings, and it's a genuine thank you when I cause that. I mean, that's nice. It's nice. It's so a, that's my that's how that's how grateful people are, and that's yeah. uh, my most recent example. That's such a good example. Uh, you yeah. going back to the um, tenant buyers. You mm -hmm. mentioned that you know that the that she kind of came up outright and she said, listen, you know, I, I can only afford so much money. Like I want this home, but I can't afford this much down. Like it's going to put me in jeopardy when people mm -hmm. kind of talk about the future and they don't put themselves in jeopardy when they're thinking about, you know, when they're looking ahead of the curve and, uh, you know, making sure that they have the ability to repay. That's, mm -hmm. that's huge for me in my, you know, I would rather somebody like that than, Oh yeah. How much is it? Oh, I can 800. I can give you 900 a month or, or I can definitely <laughs> do that. Like, no, I'd rather people being like, you know what? I just, I don't want to put myself or my family in that kind of like danger zone. So anyway, I think that's huge. That, that when I hear that, yes. that means a ton. I'm like, Oh, I like, I like where this is going. That's a skill that you develop. That's a salesman skill. That's that, that's a sense that people in sales, once you've gotten beaten up enough, like I said, in my way, my way of getting beaten up was canceled insurance policies. And when that happened enough, I learned, I don't know. No, I don't care how rich you think you are. Be honest with me. And you look someone in the eye. Like I said, after a while, you develop that skill to be able to look someone in the eye. You can tell their sincerity mm -hmm. and kind of make a judgment call for yourself, whether they exactly whether they are in the circle of trust or circle of BS. Yeah. And someone's history will, I mean, we're not letting these people into our homes blind. You know, we want to know who they are, oh. their backgrounds, oh, yeah. uh, verify incomes. The, uh, so I know you have to get to Habitat for Humanity. You have a ton of other lessons though. I would like to, going back to your first deal, if you could get, or maybe not just your first deal, but if you could give us like three lessons, just like three of them that you're like, because I know you mentioned on this thing, like you're never going to do some things again. So of those some things again, like what are three good ones that you're never going to do again or you're always going to do something like that? Okay. All right. Lesson number one, I made this mistake. I bought this home uh, um, and I, this is one that I can think right off the top of my head and never do that again. I bought the home and in my false sense of urgency that the – and this was only because of my immaturity or prematurity in, in, in the industry, but – this urgency that I thought I had, that I had to do this deal so quick. I bought this house before running it by the park manager. And of course, with my luck, because of that mistake I made, this is the universe's way of teaching me a lesson or God's way of teaching me a lesson. And, and of course, I go talk to the park manager and instead of hearing a, yeah, you bought it. Oh, congratulations. Anything I need to know? No, you're good. Thank you. Just sign here and we think, nope. That's not the conversation. That's how every other one has gone since then, of course. But on that particular home, they had an obsquiescence rule and that when you buy a house and the home transfers, the title of the home transfers hands in that transfer, the, somebody has to bring the home up to neighborhood code, AKA the obsquiescence rule. And in her case, the neighborhood code violation that needed to be repaired is that the entire exterior needed to be re done yes all the sighting that was a two thousand dollar mistake but the home looks 20 years newer i'm gonna guess i ended up selling that home for cash and i made an eight thousand dollar profit oh wait so yeah. okay so you did you did do the outside 
I no? did do the outside. You did do yes, the outside? In the end. Yes, yes, yes. And then you sold it for cash. That's right. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So now that's you're selling. Much, how many? But that took, I sold it for payments. And that guy gave me a thousand. And that house still had work to be done. At, I ran out of money because I put it all in the exterior to satisfy the, the park manager. And so I had to do the best I could on the inside with the money I had left before I just went berserk with this thing. And unfortunately, I couldn't sell it. It took forever to sell because it was in such bad shape. I was trying to get 3000 moving. Finally, when I lowered it, I got $1,000 to move in and $350 a month for that one. That person paid me and I started chipping away, chipping away to make my money back. After about a year, he called me and said, hey, will you let me buy this from you in cash? And long story short, I don't remember the details, but I walked away with about just under 8,000 bucks for that. 8,000 in profit. Profit. 8,000 in profit and then you, but for that first year, you were slowly chipping away at it and then he's like, you know, Forget this. I want to just pay you off. Did exactly. you take a discount or no? He just paid yeah, you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He okay. had, he had uh, you know, another four years left of payments. Okay. And whatever it would have come out to, um, like I said, long story short, I took I took something like 60%. I mean, I made a deal with him. It would have had to be because yeah, I mean, that's yeah, like yeah. 15 grand over four years and then oh, taking right. half of that. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's okay. So wait. So the lesson there is it's talk to one in one sentence. Talk to the park manager. Pull the trigger on it. Okay. That's if you a good transfer, one. if your money, if the money transfers hands out of yours and into someone else's, and they give you a title, the answer is yes or no. Yes or no. Does the park manager know you're doing this? Yes or no. Yes or no. Did you ask the park manager if there's any work to be done at home before? Is no, no. The question is, is there anything that I need to know before buying this home from Susie Seller? Correct. That's it, yes or no. Did you ask? It, <laughs> that's it. It's that simple. Let's talk. What else could so they could say that the taxes are back. They could say that the lot fine. rents back. Fine. We plan on pulling that home out of here. Yeah. We already own it. Somebody actually. I was talking to someone. They were. Long story short, the guy who was selling the home didn't even own it anymore. The park already it. took yeah. it back, and yeah. then obviously, or just hey. Or maybe the park has the first right of refusal. So you bought the home. Now they're pissed at you because you didn't ask per, for permission. There's just a, it's just always best. Lewis, that was a great rule. Number one, talk to the park, talk to the park manager. Listen you know, to me. Yeah. Listen to me. <laughs> if you don't do that, one of those things will happen to you. <laughs> it will happen. The, the first deal that you don't ask, them, that's when those things happen. <laughs> Other than that, no problems ever happen. Awesome. This that video. is rule number one. <laughs> okay. It's going to be a unique video, huh? This is going to be a unique video. <laughs> if you get enough, uh, if, if enough people like it, I'll come back. If no one likes it, I'm just leave me alone now. I'm good. <laughs> There's at least one like. I know I hate it. There's like one like. Okay. I like I like it. Oh, that's two. I like it, too. <laughs> uh, lesson number two. My rule number two is, or my lesson number two is, just put your stuff down on a spreadsheet. Say, I have square one. This is how much money I paid for the, put the expenses in there and see what you're going to sell it for. If you're aware of your numbers, you're going to teach yourself a whole yeah. lot. So lesson number one, ask the park manager before you buy the house. Lesson number two, just use a spreadsheet, man. All your, know your numbers. This is, your, this is what you're in business for. Is, yeah. Okay, so number three, last lesson. What would my last lesson be? I should have been thinking about this while you were talking. <laughs> well, if there's only two. No, there's not only two. There's a third. And what's the lesson? This lesson applies to everybody. Here's my, like, I don't know if this is a lesson. 
No, my, this is, might sound kind of drastic. Just follow me here. My lesson is no one really gives a shit about you. Okay, no one is in business to make friends with you. You might, you might find a seller who's just had this sad story and, oh, I, I can't sell this for any less because of X story or whatever. Or, or you got a, con, or a handyman that's charging too much or even a buyer that's trying to convince you that the, the, the house is not worth it and you got to lower the fee. I mean, when I say no one gives a shit about you, I don't mean that in a, such a pessimistic way as much as I mean that remember as in a remember you are in business type of way and you're not here to get friends if you need a reminder go watch Wall Street and Mr. Gordon Gecko says it himself says if you want a friend go get a dog and that's what he's talking about you're in this business to make money okay we are helping people and that's why money is made because you're providing value somewhere and the value that we're providing is like my that lady Barb that cried and said that 20 year email in Florida we're we're literally changing the trajectory of some people's lives. They've never had any ownership in anything, and now they're, gonna, they're on their way to owning the title of their own home. You are providing a tremendous value. However, you are also in business. And every, it's not that everyone's out to get you. Everyone is out for themselves. So if I can summarize lesson number three, it's not that you know, so much no one cares about, no one wants to be a friend. It's remember, this is a business. Look out for yourself. Make sure your numbers are tight. Make sure you do the due diligence. AKA, ask the park manager, get your numbers right. And at the end of the day, when you make an offer, be firm. Remember, you have the cookie, you have the thing that's valuable, and you are doing this for a business. You're not doing anybody any favors. You're not coming off of numbers because you feel bad. You're doing a business deal. And if your numbers are tight and if you have that mindset where, hey, we're moving money around here, um, you'll do just fine. You'll figure it out. You will figure it out. I don't don't have to tell you, you got to get motivated. You got to find your purpose. All that bullshit, dude. No, I'm not gonna tell you that because money will money will do that to you. Let your money hurt. I guarantee you're gonna make better decisions on your own. <laughs> and that's that's uh, and that's, that's real. You just drop the mic now or the computer. <laughs> and that's real. <laughs> thank Lewis. Thank you so much for coming on here. Got it. Man. You're. I'm curious. Uh, very quickly, goals, personal goals, and my you know fitness goals, whatever, whatever. But as far as business goals go, there you are again. <laughs> As far as business goals go, my goal is to do a minimum of two deals per month, a minimum of two deals per month. I already know what a good deal looks like when I see it. My numbers, I've already run my numbers. I know what my entry and my exit points are. I know what the market can sustain. I, ha- I've, I have my contacts and everything's in motion. There is no reason why I can't do a minimum of two deals. Every time that I write a check, John, I'm nervous. I call you. I'm like, just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. But I have to learn how to get past that fear. I have to push through it. And so this year, I'm going to focus. My goal for 2017 is by the end of the year to have done at least two deals per month, maybe three, four, whatever I can sustain. If I can finish up at the end of the year having achieved that, I will feel very, very good. I will have gotten beat up. I will have done, made more mistakes. I would have got lied to again. I would have gotten through it all. But um, at the end, I will have a few thousand dollars a month, not showing up in my mailbox. Big time. Right. Showing up in my checking account. Right. But and uh, I think that's a good place to start. So dude, that's awesome. From, from there, I don't know what happens, you know. Right. Everyone but, has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And so uh, I'm just going to make it focus on the next 12 months. And that's my goal, man. Yeah. Do what you know is working. Keep doing mm-hmm. it. You have ex- area to expand to. You have more homes. It's kind of like a conveyor belt with these folks. 
I mean, you know, we're going to be purchasing more and more deals, more homes come on the market, sellers get themselves into sticky situations. Anyway, always call me up. Yeah. It's Thanks, awesome. Bro. Now that we're wrapped up the video, now you take everything oh, off so people can see what you <laughs> The real me, the real me. All right, thank you again for being here so much and opening up your business, just being candid. Thank you so much. You got it anytime, man. Cool. Thanks, Lewis. I'll talk to you soon. The ideas and advice given in today's episode are for entertainment purposes only. If you have future ideas or questions for upcoming episodes, please email us at support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, the biggest compliment you can give is to like and share this podcast with your friends. 